to the Find A Way podcast, where we celebrate the remarkable journeys of immigrant entrepreneurs who have founded startups in North America. And we are your hosts, Beatrice Anatelli and Ingrid Polini. Join us as we dive deep into the personal stories of these inspiring individuals, exploring their challenges, triumphs, and the diverse range of innovative companies they have built. This is episode number 50, Live Holistic, and today our guest is James Bangley. For as long as he can remember, James has been fascinated by human development and been on a quest to answer two quick key questions. What makes for a successful life and what makes people change? He thought he had all the answers as he spent two decades of his life traveling the world and rapidly gained success and recognition across various business, creative and spiritual spaces. Little did he know that he was slowly breaking apart inside and losing himself to unhealthy coping mechanism and addictions. When he was finally able to confront the signs of unhealth in his life, he discovered that his view of success has been severally narrowed and a new approach to living was required. He would embark on his own personal transformation journey, and after years of road testing his new way of living, James started Live Holistic Coaching to help people redefine what truly successful life looks like and show them an alternative, more holistic approach to life. Through his deep experience as a coach, consultant, and advisor to individuals, teams, and organizations across multiple spheres and contexts, James now helps people step off the treadmill of life they have been accustomed to and step towards a new life vision of flourishing, adventure, and impact. Welcome, James. Hey, BR. Great to see you. Happy to have you here with us. So uh, I'm super excited about this episode, James, because I am a personal uh, development junkie myself. I love working on myself. <laughs> and I'm very curious to learn more um, of, about you and your journey. So before we start on the journey, can you tell us a little bit about of your business and who sure. are the people that benefit the most from the work you do? Yeah, look, so the business is called Live Holistic uh, and it's coaching and consulting. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I pretty much work with with individuals and teams and organizations. I'd say, um, I know there's this thing in business about like niche and like narrow niche and I, I get that, but I, I'd also say it's something about the space that someone's in, which I think I more connect with. And they're the types of people that, work with me. So for example, it could be a corporate person, but also could be a, someone who's like just a creative artist, right? So um, I, I, I'd say the way to describe the people that work with me, there's some sort of nagging. I think I just use, there's a nagging because I know that nagging feeling. There's something going on and, you know, uh, something of maybe a question of, is there a better way? Or is is my life full in the sense of, that maybe people might say living to their potential, but maybe another way is just, um, am I am I happy? Am I content? Uh, yeah, is, is there more? Like this kind of, uh, there's a nagging on this question. And I'd say the people that end up working with me, I'd say there's three things that they have enough of. And I'd say there's enough humility to say, I want to know what I don't know. Because I think that's a space where, you know, maybe you've repeatedly tried something and it's not worked. Um, there could be a certain pattern in your life and they just, um, yeah. So I think there's enough humility to say, well, let, let me try something. Let me not know uh, and get into this place uh, of, uh, or space that, that I don't really know. Um, and so I think that's probably number one because there needs to be this willingness to go there uh, rather than I've got it worked out. I don't need anyone. I don't need help, right? So number two, I, I use this word like there's enough brash abandon. And I think it's like this, there is a risk. Like you, you are risking time, money, and your priorities. So whenever you want to change or transform, you are leaving behind something. But there's also, you are stepping into the unknown. So I'd say there's a brash abandon. And I use that those words intentionally in the sense of there is almost a... Uh, recklessness if I could say about it because you almost don't know so it's almost like not pure like thought out wisdom sometimes it's just like 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a a stab. And uh, but I think at the same time there is a wisdom because you are investing in yourself. So it's not like you're taking a punt in the stock market or crypto. Um, you have some agency over this investment because if you if you commit and you put time and you put effort in, then that's actually something that you can back yourself. Sorry, back yourself in. And so um, I think when people are willing to you know, invest up front their time, their money, um, and take risk. I find that they're the ones that actually bring about, um, they find wonderful breakthrough and change. And so I've done it myself and I, I continue to do that. And so, um, and the last thing I'd say is there's enough, uh, there's enough resilience to keep coming back and enough resolve. And so the work that I do with individuals and it's very, it's deeply transformative. So it's not, it's not a simple, like superficial goal. Like you want to get to B from A, I'll just get you there. And in the quickest time, I know some coaching does that, but mine's different because it's more about the changes seven layers deep. Um, I know that's from my own life of addiction. I know what it is to have a mask of performance and reputation. And so I think there needs to be enough resolve. And I say these words are not enough just to say that doesn't mean there's lots of humility, lots of abandon, brush abandon, lots of resolve. It's just that there's enough. There, sometimes there's a smidgen. There's, a, there's just enough there. They're the kinds of people that work best with me, that I work best with. And, um, and so, so they're the ones who would benefit most, those who are maybe in some kind of transition, some sort of nagging going on. And they have, you know, that, that posture to, to want to know more, that posture to, yeah, risk and, and invest in themselves. And also that posture of resolve and resilience to keep coming back because we're going to find stuff that's going to be deeply uncomfortable. Um, but sometimes the best thing you can do is just to, to keep showing up. I agree completely. And I'd say it is the best investment by far because, I mean, it starts with, you know, self, self-love. self And if you're good, then you have things to give and you, you're able to perform better in everything you do and be happier, right? Uh, live a fulfill, fulfilling ha- life. And I, 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 I agree completely. Um, I'm really interested uh, to hear more about your background. Uh, sure. You are from Malaysian Chinese parents, born in Australia, and then you moved to Canada. So I'm like, please share whatever you can in terms of that journey as well, uh, linked to your awakening and how Mm -hmm. that, you know, came across with your business as well. Yeah, uh, I I find it hard to describe like when people are like, where are you from? And I sometimes say, I'm Australian, Malaysian, Chinese, now Canadian, kind of. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I was born in Sydney, Australia. Um, I, I think coming to Canada, some some people have uh, guessed I'm from the UK, but I'm not. I am from Australia. And um, yeah, look, I, I've got to say, Bia, that in like growing up in the part I grew up in initially, um, it was a white neighborhood and so we're the only Asian family and so I remember experiencing yeah moments of racism uh and just feeling that I yeah I don't belong I don't belong here and um I I think that was that was tough uh as a as a child you just cope right and uh but I remember you know the, the terms like ching chong china guy or whatever and I remember hating being like looking like this, right? I, um, yeah, hated being anything to do with Asian, Chinese. Uh, my parents would speak uh, Chinese or, you know, talk amongst themselves. And I just wouldn't like hearing it. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely a, a tough moment just, just growing up. And I, I guess that sense of feeling out of place um, in different settings uh, really shaped me. Uh, I think not in a great way at, at some level because I think I'm already a motivated person and well, all my parents have told me I'm very uh, like self-motivated. And so it kind of really let, brought out this performance side of me 
um, but in an unhealthy way, maybe. Like, I, I wouldn't have said it back then. Now, reflecting back, I could see that I was effectively trying to get value. I was trying to prove value. I was trying to prove that I fit in um, and I and I could uh, not only fit in, but, like, excel. And, and so that, yeah, uh, I then went through school and sports and, and did well at, at different levels and, um, and yeah, came to a point, uh, yeah, I guess in terms of an awakening, I remember being in, uh, in, I think I was grade 10, 11, uh, in a, in a top selective school. And, and what they have back there is like these, these, they call it selective schools. You're going to pass these exams and only a bunch get in and I was doing well in that school at different levels um but I, I remember just having kind of these questions maybe that was an nagging then like of is there more and um I, on, honestly like just being real like I, I remember having nightmares about death I remember just kind of going well if I wake up or if I don't wake up what does it all matter? What what do what about trophies? Like all these trophies and awards I'm getting, what what does it really matter? Um, for me, I didn't come from a not I didn't come from a religious background and I remember a friend on the train just said, Hey James, have you have you ever heard about uh, Jesus? And it was really interesting. But yeah, I mean, like just when she said that name, just something hit my heart. I, I, that's why I call it an awakening. I don't I don't it wasn't like I was necessarily seeking or, or trying to sort out all the religions at, at one point and, and try to compare them. It was just she said this name and that started a journey of me wanting to know about about Jesus. And I remember going to a, a church service that, that Sunday and, um, and, yeah, really getting to know um, not this religion but this Jesus. And... I remember my parents were freaked out. They thought like I was gonna like go to Africa and be this missionary again. Like the thoughts of what a Christian does, or what you know. Uh, but I kept, I stayed in school. I went to university. I got I got a job. I you know. So I think my parents are fine now. But you know. Any, anyway, that, that's that's a bit of a bit of that that journey. And so for me, the awakening continues and. Um, is something that's deeply important to me. Um, Jesus is deeply important to me, my faith in him, and um, yeah. That's amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, like throughout that journey, because it's already a big change. Um, I, I, I can imagine that it's, it must be really hard to experience, um, you know, racism and stuff. And then you have, and I know the Chinese culture is like very strict, but they're kids that's what we hear about at sure. least so they're you know always um projecting so much on their kids and then um you have this whole experience in life and then you decide to come to Canada so you came with your family to Canada yeah. right your wife and two wow. kids yes yep uh, or they were born in Australia your kids were born yes. in Australia yes and yes you moved but I'd like to ask why Canada um I know my reasons that I chose this country, <laughs> but I'm always very curious to hear why um, did you leave Australia? That they say it's really nice. I haven't been there yet, but they say it's really sure. nice. It has a better weather than Canada. <laughs> also, English English speaking country. So I'd love to hear your point of view on that. I so want to hear yours, Bia. <laughs> I'll definitely. Well, mine are. Um, I I'm in Toronto, and personally, I love the multicultural background here. Yeah, I love okay, that my well. daughter grows up with kids from all over the world. She mm. gets to experience the different cultures, different ba- backgrounds, and um, love her friends. You know, and awesome. see everyone as equal, and that everyone has something good to share and to put out in the world. And that was for me the most fascinating thing that I found in in Toronto specifically when I came and um, the kindness. I've always been very fortunate to have many Canadians um, and I like to say that their their trademark is almost the kindness, at least the Canadians or either whether I was lucky to have, you know, cross paths with many kind Canadians. But um, I have many beautiful stories of 
overwhelming um, and like experienced so many acts of kindness ever since I arrived that it's what I want my daughter to take from this and to be able to put out in the world in with her life as well. So, but oh, <laughs> that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Well, sorry. Yeah, I should add to but I, I, I'm just curious as to know more about your, your story and, and, um, yeah, look, so I, I guess even, even between that awakening and, and like, and coming to Canada, it's been a bunch of years, you know, so just in that 20 plus years, um, I met my beautiful wife, her name's Candy, and we actually met in Hong Kong. So I was backpacking when I was around 22 years old around Asia and went, went to uh, Hong Kong for a week and she happened to be, so she's originally, well, she was born in Hong Kong, but grew up in Vancouver. So here's, here's a connection for sure. And we met, and then we actually met in a week. Uh, we ended up deciding to do long distance. So we did long distance for two years. Uh, I then stole her to Australia um, for 16 years. So we've been married for 15. And um, yeah, in terms of coming to Canada, it's interesting because I guess there can be a natural kind of conclusion that it's because she's Canadian and, and we kind of, uh, we're trading places. It's almost, you've done 16 years, you will do 16 now and we'll keep going back. But honestly, um, I, I think two things. One of it was this sense of adventure. Um, I, I think, you know, a few years prior to us moving over here, there was definitely kind of, maybe there was a pattern of me in particular leaving certain things that were I, I loved but was also a comfort potentially. Um, and I was just leaving, whether it's an organization, a movement, um, different, different communities and, and almost stepping away. Um, but also into this, not necessarily into something, but it was just stepping away. And I don't know about you, but, but growing up, uh, I was taught in different spaces, both whether it's family, church, corporate life, it's almost like, you know, that whole thing about don't. Don't step out unless you know what you're stepping into. It's almost like pr from a business perspective, it's like don't uh, resign until you sign. <laughs> like so, sign something before you like. It's almost like that. That that those pearls of wisdom, like because people being burnt before, which I totally get. And and so I, I think I grew up with that messaging. And I'm not saying that's a bad message by any stretch, but I think for me and my wife, in in the few years prior to coming here, so we came in 2022 there was a lot of this this pattern of just starting to step away, starting to move away from things. And I, and I kind of talk about the treadmill and just kind of just trying to just intentionally step off. And um, not that it was bad, like a treadmill is good for you, but just staying on there um, is maybe not the, the healthiest thing or, or the best thing all the time. And so, so, so I guess there was this sense of just stepping away, stepping away, stepping away. And, in terms of Sydney, because I've grown up there, there's connections, business, church community, um, family. Um, it was almost stepping away from from that. And then again, being very clear, it's not. It wasn't running away from anything. It's not anything was bad. It was just this kind of sense of adventure, this sense of following this pattern of oh, what would it look like if we were to step into the unknown, like like literally step. In, into a space and not have stuff to get out. So it wasn't like Canada had a job, had community um, that was already set, had, you know, all that. And so uh, that's kind of at one level, definitely the reason. It's, it's just this adventure for us, the kids. We have two boys, they're eight and 12 now, and it's almost, okay, like naturally that can be a good time if you're going to make a move like that. But also I, th I think at a, a deep level, um, th this sense, whether you call it a spirit prompting or a sense of, uh, yeah, just a calling, a drawing towards North America and for us to to relocate. Uh, so that's that's really the reason. Reasons. That's amazing. That's amazing. And um, I I find, as you mentioned, I think it's an exciting uh, stepping into the unknown. It mm -hmm. takes a lot of I, I I'd say courage, but. I find it super exciting. I don't know if I was mm -hmm. accustomed to it 
ever since I was young. My parents did move around a lot, so it came. I think it's in my blood already. Yeah. But um, it's it's you, you broaden your horizon. You get to meet more people, and everyone has you know amazing things to share and to teach you um, if you're willing to connect and listen and learn. So uh, I find that super exciting. Well. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you're, you guys are in Canada and are happy. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious, though, James. Um, did you experience any um, cultural difference um, ever since you got here? Anything that you'd like to highlight? Whether it's a you know, funny fact or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am saying A a lot more. Um, just <laughs> um, yes, it's, it's funny because. there's so much to say here br like like even as a nation australia versus canada right i i think it's so easy and and i i fell into this which was like oh it's a commonwealth country it'll be the same and even a place like sydney to vancouver they're both well known they're both livable cities people want to go there it's going to be super similar people speak english okay we're going to be sweet right it's going to be but it's funny, like, because even if you think about suburbs or city, cities within Sydney, they're so, they can be different and, and similar to Vancouver. Uh, so I live in this place called Richmond, um, and it's very different to Vancouver, like Ma- Vancouver City versus a Delta versus, like, different areas. And I didn't really know that. Like, um, so for those that don't know, Richmond's, like, let's say, mini Asia or um, there's a lot of migrants from Australia from Asia that have come here, in particular Hong Kong and, you know, China, sorry, like overall. And so I'm not used to that, to be honest, in terms of being in a place that is so, so many Asian people are actually living in the one area. And and funnily enough, um, <laughs> my boys, you know, you know, they came back from school and one of them said, Dad, why does everyone have black hair? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just funny, as an Asian they are Asian that's the thing like they have black hair themselves but in the place we're living in Sydney in school it was more diverse than that right but here's here's the thing I'd also say that even within just say even with lots of people with black hair there is diversity and so so it's funny that you can even have these stereotypes that even I could project on which is I feel like a foreigner here at some level even with the sea of black hair Um, because I actually don't speak Chinese. I don't understand it. My wife laughs at me. She loves when I'm maybe at these family dinners where everyone is speaking Cantonese and I'm so silent. And she's like, oh, she's like, it's killing you, isn't it? Because I love talking. Like, I love conversing. And (laughs) she's like, it's killing you, isn't it? And I, I can't do anything except just nod. And, like, when the food comes around or just, mm, 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 like, you know, and then at the end it's just like, thank you. Like, just, it's great to see you. It's like, that's it. Like that was the whole conversation. Um, but all that to say is that, yes, I have noticed cultural difference, differences even there. And I think learning to appreciate something for what it is, because I think sometimes even in this, if you call it in this important attention, like the important attention we're putting on diversity I think also sometimes we can try to force it and it's it, so for example i'll just put it to, to, to whether i've thought it's like oh bitch i need to be in a place where, where there's less black-haired people because that means we're not being diverse and i think i've had to learn well firstly not allowing just the physical to stop me from seeing the diversity in each person i think is really important and saying even Richmond and appreciating it for what it is and not trying to force something that's not there. So I don't want to like try to force it into let's have like now white, like different head people, like in different, just because I want to feel that we're being diverse. I think the more important thing is, am I able to love this other human being and see the difference and the uniqueness in them rather than setting up this facade of a superficial facade of diversity when I don't really even care about 
this other person from another race or culture. Yeah, anyway, so there's some of the thoughts that are going through me um, and, and just confessing that I've had, like, I think I'm on that journey there and uh, of sometimes wanting maybe the idea of diversity just to almost stamp a box, right, or, or like, just check a box. and um, But I think the deeper and more important piece is Am I able to love this person? Do I even care about this person as another fellow human? Um, and what is different about them? What's the gift and gifts uh, inside them, but the, them as a gift to me that I can receive? Um, so, yeah. That's amazing. I, I love that. Um, you, I, I, I can't stress this enough. I loved reading um, about your bio and one thing that really caught my eye was the recovering performance junkie that you mentioned. <laughs> and I would love uh, for you to share a little bit more uh, about it. And what advices would you, having had the story, you know, your story, your journey, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs that are starting out? And how would you tackle that um, performance junkie piece that you'd like to address some way to uh, share your knowledge? Gosh. Yeah, so for, for anyone listening and this resonates with you, like this is such a deep area and I'm I'm four I'm four years into my recovery as a as a performance junkie. Now I think the first thing I'd say is I didn't know I was, you know, and I part of my story is the entry point was confronting the signs of unhealth and when I say unhealth in particular for me that was pornography addiction and workaholism but it did start with the pornography addiction because it's very like for me it's it's very explicit it's a behavior you can see you can workaholism and stuff like that it's, it's a bit more subtle um uh, and and also I think workaholism is also can be valued in certain places productivity performance all that kind of stuff and so all that to say, that was an entry point into me uncovering and discovering that something like pornography was a way that I would cope with with life. It was a way that I could cope as, um, like any unhealthy coping me mechanism, it's a way for that we've been that we've trained ourselves to go to a place um, when we're not feeling great, when we're looking for either comfort or we're looking to escape, and so. Uh, the deeper piece in that is when you kind of dig the seven layers deep into myself, what, what, I, what I tend to find down there is this sense of I don't feel worthy. Like I just don't have, and we could call it self-worth, we could call it self-esteem, just this sense of I don't feel valued in this moment. And that could have been I read something on social media and someone doing great things. And I just start to compare myself. Um, it could be someone said something or didn't say something to me that made me feel less than. Um, and so performance for me is really a way that I can hide my vulnerability. It's a way that I can almost put up this layer of don't look deep within me, but just... I can manage I can manage my reputation that way, right? So performance, again, it can be different motivations for different people. And so I, the best thing I can do is share from my experience and maybe some of the clients I work with. But it tends to be this sense of I, I need to prove my worth. And the way I prove that is often by work, um, how I'm seen, um, how uh, if I'm meeting this uh, social criteria of successful because some things are valued in, in society more than others right and so I don't think people in society value as much of rest or um, I think society will say that's being lazy <laughs> um, you know and and so but we do know from the science and from recovery and health that rest is super important as an example and by the way there's a, then the other spectrum where it's you're just 
you can be lazy and you're just sleeping all the time and being a sloth again. So we, we don't have to go there. But um, yeah, this this sense of performance in some level is, uh, uh, it's a way of living, but I'd say it's suboptimal because you then are constantly not only working and performing, but you're also managing your reputation, which is really tiring. And I think we've seen in movies or maybe in real life and relationships where someone is like, they say two-faced, like they, they, they have different personas. And so for one crowd, there's something for another crowd, there's something for one relationship, they're this kind of person. And, and it's, if you lie about something, then you got to, you got to keep up that lie with other lies. And it's, kind of that at some level right if if we're a performance junkie it becomes exhausting right? yeah it's super tiring and so it, it just feeds itself and at some point you either well you are leading to a crash and burn at some point somehow and uh and, and so they're the kinds of things that maybe i'm just describing a, a bit of the inside journey of of being a performance junkie and and therefore, um, I think there needs to be a, this this point. There needs to be a break in that somehow. Something needs to get you off it. And my hope is that it doesn't have to be this blow up that affects whether it's business, important relationships. I'm not just saying like connections on social media. I'm talking about like really relationships you value. It can be a romantic partner. It can be spouse. It could be whatever you're talking about. Like can be a child it's like those friendships that you value like i'm talking about a breakage in those relationships um do we want to have that blow up i don't think any of us want that i i honestly don't think we're trying to sabotage our lives but that seems to be the trajectory that i think sadly sometimes our cultural environments corporate environments business environments societal environments kind of lead us towards kind of and not in a very explicit, like one big event way, but almost these small kind of little nudges. And it's in that place that I think I really believe we need more of those moments where it's like, let's ask a deeper question. Am I happy with where my life is going? And I think we just tend to tolerate our life. That's what, that's the work with, with clients and, and people sadly that um don't don't want help it's just like i'm just going to tolerate it i'm fine it's it's just the way it is i think and just the way it is thinking sometimes is the most dangerous it just means i'm in a place of <sighs> i've just accepted and tolerated and 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 that's where i i feel my my best work is when someone is like willing to go there like that, willing to say Let's let's take a break. Let's take a pause. Let's breathe, and just start to ask these deeper questions. And those deeper questions then become confronting, which is maybe I do need to change. Maybe I do need to get out of this environment. Maybe I do need to get out of this relationship, or maybe I need to put work into this relationship. Like all those potential outcomes, is where um, the the real work and the important work happens. And so. I would say my maybe way to put it to anyone out there who's a performance junkie is can you allocate a section of your attention to the work that's required inside rather than the work that you're doing outside? Because, and I, I for one, have not been this, I, I would say this personal growth guru for a long part of my life. In fact, I, I was the person laughing at it. You know, when the Tony Robbins stuff coming out, I'm just like, that guy's, you know, like it's it's all about self. And and I, I know now why I was worried. It's because I felt it could lead to self-centeredness. But I think the distinction that I've found and that I live by and work with clients on is not self-centeredness, but self-discovery and self-care. Like there's a there's a big difference. Um and that, that's the area of self-discovery and self-care uh, that I focus on um, so it doesn't become self-centeredness, which I think is where 
this kind of personal growth stuff can go wrong when you're not, you don't have the right kind of guide, guiding principles guide to help you live a life that's not just for yourself, but it is to then help others. It's that whole idea. I keep going back to that plain analogy where it's like, if if there's an issue, then put the mask on yourself, like the oxygen mask, then to the to the dependent. Um, it's that whole idea of um, the inside work and the inside journey that I I would encourage entrepreneurs, um, and anyone who's in uh, kind of these spaces where performance is almost the the currency, like high performance is the currency, is almost like how can you start to carve out time to do that inside work? How can you ask for the help um, and have enough humility to ask for that? Um, I think entrepreneurs, that's why I love working with like some of them as my clients is because I already know they have that brash abandon. Um, but maybe sometimes it's that piece on, okay, will they, will they have enough humility uh, to say, I'm, I, I don't know what I don't know, and I want to go there. Um, I already know they have the resolve and the resiliency to keep coming back. They're entrepreneurs. That's what they do. But I, I just wonder about this humility and, and um, not to judge them, but just to say, like, well, yeah, just th this sense of it's very hard to do it on your own. And if you're willing um to, to take those moves and make that investment, then yeah, in, in allocate, just can you allocate some of your attention to the inside journey? Um, so yeah, that'd be my encouragement. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think all of the, the best investments I made throughout my life and my journey was when I invested in myself. So it's, it pays off very much. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I'm curious, um, and it's one of my favorite questions in the, the podcast is what is success to you, James? Hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, I can say what success is for me now. And, and some of the work I do is, is all about redefining success. And um, success for me now, I have taken this idea of the ideal average day. And it's from a, a coach. Um, called Rich Lipman and I learned this from him, just this sense of thinking about, you know, the fact that we success is often we want the big event or the big moment, the big post that goes viral or or kind of that the 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 certain revenue that you make as a business. And um he talked about this concept of, well, what about an average day? Because <laughs> we have a lot of those. <laughs> We don't have those peaks or, 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 you know, moments all the time. And so um, just trying to think about maybe five things that you'd have as an average day and ideally and try to have that average day maybe three times a week. So don't try to have it every day, but try to have it three times a week. And so within mine, um, it includes, you know, having undistracted uh, time with God. So that's important to me. Um, and so that doesn't, that's not like how much of the Bible did I read or how much, how long did I pray, whatever. It's just undistracted time. Um, it is having a meaningful conversation that helped uh, someone flourish. So, so that could be a, a specific coaching session. That could be with a stranger. Like, you know, it doesn't mean I get paid or whatever. It's just I'm having this meaningful conversation. Some kind of physical movement i'm i'm so like uh i uh that what they what did they say that i've answered my pants like me being still is definitely a part of my growth continues to be part of my growth but i just like to be out and about so whether that's body movement that's walking that's hitting the gym um going on trails here in bc when it's summer it's it's beautiful so stuff like that um and, and having a connection point with my my wife and boys uh and, and sorry what with my wife and play with my boys i think they're the they're the main things of my ideal average day so you can kind of see that for me having that three or four times a week is so it's like wow that's i'm already living successful at some level um 
So the last thing, part of my ideal average day is to learn something new and all learn something, right, that I didn't know before. And so if I think about that, it's like, how much does that cost me? Like dollars wise, <clears throat> you know, not that much. Um, yes, there's, there's, there's effort to be intentional there, but I can have that ideal average day three to four times a week, I, I think, you know, and so it's not, so I'm not then tied to the rush of or all this kind of pressure, this unnecessary anxiety inducing pressure of you need the big moment, you need the, you need the X number of followers, you need X revenue. And I'm not saying like you can't have that as goals and, and whatever. It's just if you're putting all your eggs in that basket and you're putting all your attention on that, when that comes and I've had those moments and I, some of my clients have had those moments, it's actually not that fulfilling. <laughs> it's like, oh, that moment happened. And and I think from a psychology point of view, I think the term could be hedonic adaptation, which is like you you just get there to to you, you reach it, and then that mountain, and you're like, oh, already the next mountain. So it's it's it, you you just adapt. It's like, oh, that's I experienced that done. And so all that effort you put on that wasn't at the end of the day that satisfying, really, or or not long term satisfying or deeply satisfying. And I think a writer has said often we we really just go after the things that we we want rather than the things that we deeply desire. Um, so, yeah. Very, very complete answer. And um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Um, I, I agree, people. I think it's all about the journey and making, as you mentioned, your average day. Because, I mean, that's why present is called the present, right? So it's yeah. a gift that we have Absolutely. to fulfill it, you know, enjoy and try to make the most of it. And then the rest is just add-ons to your day. If you're happy, <laughs> um, try and make an effort and finding joy and gratitude in the little things. That's, I couldn't agree more. Um, one regarding the question that when we, on our previous episode, we have someone that we were talking a lot about habits and the question that was left for you uh, to answer is, it's a very simple one and rather <laughs> funny, but I'm curious also. Do you make your bed every day when you wake up? No. Yeah. No, I don't. I I um I I'm sorry, love. Like I'm sorry, that's on my wife. That's in, <laughs> but I, I don't say I, I like it's totally messy. I mean she might have a different idea, but I, I wake up <laughs> earlier than her, so I just get out of the and bed then, and She's still sleeping. So oh, you couldn't make a bed if she was. Still actually, sleeping. Yes, that's that's the better answer, Bia. Yes, I couldn't make the bed as opposed to I really I want to. <laughs> She's just in the way of it. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, and another very personal question: If you sure. could choose a superpower. What oh, would it be God. and why? <sighs> hmm. It, 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 it could be painful too, but I do, I am interested in people's minds. So I, I would love to see what someone's thinking. I think there's great benefits as well, like just knowing, you know, when, when people reject you or people say something like, hmm, is that the real reason? <laughs> um, I, look, I, but I, I could also see the pain of that to, to, know, to know all the, the, the thoughts and that you might not want to know. But um, I think just because... It's what's the good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm just naturally curious about the mind and thoughts. And I think my wife always tells me, you just, you're always thinking, you're always asking questions, you're... And, and so I think that's the way I'm wired. So I think that would that'd be a superpower that I would I would and I think to your point, like using it for good would be <clears throat> to be able to gently if I'm working with someone, um, to be able to gently say what's really on your mind and and maybe how to call them out on it or something, just so that they are being honest to themselves. And I think that's where 
change really happens when we get out of denial um, yeah. and and we're able to, yeah, just be honest and, and with ourselves at least. Like, And, and so I, I think what I tend to ask for people is I don't want just high commitment, which is like something that you have to attain so you, you commit to this partnership together. I'm just asking for deep commitment. So that is a commitment to yourself. That's a commitment that you're going to be honest. That's a commitment that you're going to be in here for the long haul. It's not just the time with me, but for your life, you're going to be committed to this this journey of wholeness. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'll go through uh, four rapid fire questions. Go for it. Okay. Um, Coffee or tea? Coffee. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. Fiction or nonfiction? I'm going to say nonfiction. And it's because a lot of my stuff is so into the detail of research and the mind and spiritual guidance and different things that, it, that can be sometimes really heavy. And so I like... And you know what I'm doing right now? I'm getting like youth aged, like novels where it's just like teen level, you know, even my son is 12 years old. I'll read some of his books because I think it's just such a break from the real like kind of serious life um, change transformation stuff is, yeah. Yeah. Getting into this nonfiction space is very cool. And in, in that, on that uh, note, um, can you share with us one or two book recommendations that you'd like to, you know, it's a book that you really spoke to you or something that you would like to share with our audience and that has yeah. helped you through your journey? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think, well, one of them, a real practical one for anyone looking to kind of design their life is, is this book called Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, like people from Stanford. And that's just a real great one about practical principles for exploring a meaningful life. So if you um, don't have the either capacity, time, money to invest in like a coaching partnership or something like that, then, uh, or a program, then I think, yeah, just being able to get this book, um, it was recommended uh, to me by a friend. And so I can't recommend that enough. I, I, I use some of the, the principles in there in, in the work that I do. And so, that's a great practical one for anyone looking to in, who's in transition. Um, I think another one, I'm going to go into a spiritual space, which is this book called Gorillas of Grace. And it's by a guy called Ted Loder. And he's both a, like a, a theologian, but also a poet. And I just, in this kind of transition space, and, and you know, we haven't talked too much about it, but, but this idea of a liminal space, right? A liminal space is kind of that, that space between what is and what is to be. And so we call any transition, whether it's a physical transition or a career change or a partner change or something like that, um, or a loss, that is a liminal space. It's it's this space where there's uncertainty. You're neither there nor here fully. And so um, that is a very difficult space to be in even like at a psychological level like we were uncertain even between decisions we're thinking of different decisions do I go here or there or there and that's that's called a liminal space and so that idea that we're anxious and why we're anxious um you know I could talk a lot more about this but kind of this liminal space is really I think an important important space for growth um and, and a book that's helped is this Gorillas of Grace because it's just poetry. It's just almost these really heartfelt prayers. And a lot of those I come back to and use it as a way that I can personally slow down because it's poetry. I need to slow down to read it. But also it's just these heartfelt words of someone who I know just reading his work is experiencing this liminal space, is experiencing, oh, how can there be love but suffering like how can there be just this this sometimes I, I i'm like super confident and sometimes i feel so like inferior that's just um just the these differences in in the ways that we we bounce between things and i think that tension 
is where I find myself a lot. It's just this in-between and sometimes I want to get out of it. Um, but I know when I get out of it, sometimes it, life is just comfortable. And it's almost in the discomfort, which can be dangerous on one end because you could be, if you don't have the right support, you could just wallow in anxiety and even depressive thoughts. Um, but if you have the right support, that place of discomfort and liminal space is, is so transformative. And, and so I, I think I would recommend that for anyone who maybe has a bit more of a spiritual kind of bend, um, uh, looking for something that they can just come back to in moments where they feel, oh, it's so hard. I, uh, it, it, I, I find that Gorillas of Grace just often gave me language uh, to express what I was feeling. Well, I, I wrote those two down. I'm definitely getting them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I know we're running short on time now, but before we close this episode, what would you like to ask our next uh, our next guest, James? Yeah, I think um, I, I would be keen to know, you know, if it's an entrepreneur, like when it's when they know or what helps them know when it's time to stop pursuing an idea or a, a certain venture. Um, and, and I think b- because and behind that question is this sense that for those with an entrepreneurial spirit, I think there is a lot of go, go, go. And that's really important. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, they're starters. They, they ignite, they, they're initiators. Um, but they're not always the best closers, if that makes sense, or, or knowing when enough's enough or being able to pull back when they need to pull back. So I'm just curious on how this next person, whoever you are, um, what helps you or, or, you know, alternatively what hasn't helped you and maybe the inverse of that. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of the question that, that I'd like to ask. That's a great one. Thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for being here with us, James. It was an enormous pleasure and um, loved meeting you and talking to you. I could Absolutely. go on for hours. <laughs> Be respectful with your schedule. And, thank you. Um, we really appreciate you being here with us and taking the time. Well, thank you, Bea. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, this was um, our episode number 50, Live Holistic with James Bang Lee. We'd like to thank all of our listeners and would like to remind you that we will be posting one episode a week, always with a different guest. So make sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform.